From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in spooky, scary Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. It's just me again this week for another Nice Games panel. It's a part two, as we're taking another deeper look at horror games with a batch of new panelists. So, everyone's ready? Let's start. Okay. Hey. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is James. I use he, him pronouns. And uh, I am one of the devs uh, behind Amanda the Adventurer. Uh, I'm the game designer, uh, the video editor, one of the animators. And uh, I also voice Wooly the Sheep. So, a lot of hats. <laughs> uh, nice. Go ahead. Hello, uh, I'm Torpal Duke. I made games for almost all the DreadX collections and more recently made a, a full version of Hand of Doom, which was in the uh, first DreadX collection. And we also have Max, who's going to be a panelist <laughs> slash discussion leader today. I'm Max Gunzi. Uh, I uh, um, he him. And yes, I have not been on the DreadX collections, but I have made horror games in the past. Cool. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Um, as listeners who have been keeping up with the episodes of this year, I know we already did one horror games panel. We're doing a second one because we want to dig into some of the topics in a little bit deeper level. So you guys are jumping into this fresh. Um, and that is okay because you're experienced horror game makers. And we just want to know what you, uh, what you bring to the topics that we're going to ask about. And we'll just kind of let the conversation kind of carry us, you know, carry us where it goes. So I guess the first thing I want to kind of put to the panelists, and maybe we can start by putting this to James and then go to Torpal. But last time we had people on, it came up that maybe horror isn't really a genre of game. And I thought this might be a good way for us to talk a little bit about, just to kind of ease into the conversation, is the big question of, is, is it a genre? Is horror a genre? Or is it more like a theme that you can use to explore different genres of games? What do you guys think? We can start with um. I think in some cases, um, horror is very much so like integral to the gameplay mechanics. Like, like if you look at a game like Alien: Isolation, like horror is kind of baked into that experience from like from a, like from the ground up. Um, it doesn't really work without horror elements, it's, you know. Um, but I think in a lot of cases, on the flip side, you can really have horror elements in non-horror games. I mean, you know, if you want a perfect example, like Nintendo's been doing it for years, like you know. Super Mario 64 has some, you know, honestly disturbing moments in it. Uh, even something like Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, which is like one of my favorite games, is like it has like an entire like village that is just coded in horror elements. Uh, the boss of that level like steals your identity and like mimics as you and takes all your partners, which is kind of something you would see in a horror um, setting. Um, but I guess the answer specifically, like, is horror a genre? I think, to me, I think it can be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a horror. A game doesn't have to be a horror game to have horror elements in it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Torval, what do you want to add? I saw you nodding a little bit. <laughs> so I was agreeing with. Yeah. I was agreeing with what he was saying. Horror is is kind of nebulous in that in that way, like. I agree that it can be a genre and can also not be like you were saying, there's like a, like Yoshi's crafted world, I think has like an actually really scary horror level. And I was like, what am I playing? This is crazy. But when I, whenever I think of it as a genre, I feel like there are things 
there's like genreized components of horror, hmm. like the tropes there's lots of tropes that like go into like a like a horror genre movie it's like well it has to have you know xyz this is the genre list you have to follow kind of thing um whenever i think of horror i think of stuff with those in it but it that's not required to be horror um like whenever i talk about like my games and how it relates to horror i say like courage the cowardly dog counts as horror for me like <laughs> you don't say this is a horror show but it is like very spooky and it it is like it doesn't have to be like you know slasher stuff or like jump scares to be horror um there's a very broad umbrella and you could really get into the weeds talking about what is and isn't and and genre versus non-genre i kind of feel like it's it, it's a it's a wider thing than that like yeah it's all horror like i i don't care <laughs> i don't care to be that specific sure i just say yeah that makes sense. Max, did you want to add on to that? I agree pretty much with all that. Like, as a term, if you say something is a horror game, that still doesn't really tell you much about the game unless you add other words to it. Because if you're saying it's a horror game, all I really know is it might be scary or be scary themed. Um, mm -hmm. You could also, and, and also with the uh, whole element of games that are not horror games having horror elements to them. Like, I remember as a kid, but you know, when I first played Half Life Two. I wouldn't consider the entirety of that game a horror game, but there's a lot of scary stuff in it. And then I got to Ravenholm. I didn't expect that that was going to be so scary. I had to stop playing uh, for years and years. Didn't come back to it until a while. But um, I wouldn't consider that a horror game, even though it was very scary to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Thinking a little bit more about it, to classify something as horror, I feel like the intention has to be to to scare you in 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 some way or present you with frightening images and if that's not the intent of the thing maybe it's not classified as horror as much um i think that has a big thing to do with it, is what was the the purpose of the person making this was it to to scare the pants off you or was it just you know this is part of their way of delivering their other intended message hmm. i kind of like what max brought up where it's just like like just mentioning like a game as a horror game kind of doesn't give you a good idea of like what that game actually is other than it might be trying to scare me uh because i actually think like looking at a game objectively it's just like this is a horror game and it has to have these horror game tropes like really limits what that can do in terms of gameplay and like in terms of an experience because like you know i think we're seeing a lot of game horror games now that really try to like push it in terms of like like the genre that is also exploring like we have games like doki doki which is like a horror game but it's also a visual novel i think i think looking at horror as sort of just this like genre that has to hit these specific key points in order for it to be a horror game is kind of limiting to the genre there's a lot of opportunity for uh developers to explore that sort of as as torp brought it up like nebulous space that is horror uh through other game like variants right yeah, that tracks. It's I think I'm hearing echoes of what we heard last week. Um, kind of reflected in your your answers, right? It's yes, there's some when you say the word horror, it resonates in some specific way with players and with other game makers. But part of what you're trying to do when you're making something that's horror is you're trying to scare people, and so you do want to find or, or disturb them in some way, um, and you want to find you know you want to find new ways of doing that because that's partly where the fun comes from. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So, James, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the things that you're seeing in current horror games. I'm curious, 
maybe we can talk for a few minutes about other trends that you guys are all seeing in horror horror games or maybe horror elements in other games that you're seeing a little bit more frequently right now. Where do you think things are headed when it comes to horrors and games? And um, Well, I'm definitely a contributor of this, but um, I'm finding the idea of nostalgia and like looking back at our past seems to be a very common trend hmm. uh, with a lot of horror games, not just games, but like properties. Um, you know, I think especially with like something like a game like Five Nights at Freddy's, it like, it's kind of an interesting dissection of like our you know childhoods or like our past because um I, I feel like a lot of people like look at that with like rose tinted glasses without kind of seeing like the little bumps and holes in our past and i think it's kind of interesting because we're kind of in a nostalgic state you know like we kind of like look back in the past and a lot of people like reminisce about that so i think it's kind of interesting that uh horror games are kind of taking this approach of just like dissecting what our childhoods and their like what our past actually were and um like i said I'm uh you know not I'm I'm definitely contributing to that with Amanda as, as you know themed like a Dora the Explorer right so um it's just an interesting kind of direction I find horror going in yeah well I mean you did Dora the Explorer and I did Blue's Clues <laughs> I was just gonna so say like, yeah. <laughs> so so what's next um even with Hand of Doom it it was a different nostalgia it was for like 90s PC games you're right the whole nostalgia trend thing is going strong. Um, the the trend I've been seeing in horror <clears throat> in in past years, and I'm gonna guess in the future, is these what people are starting to call mascot horror games. Mm. Um, more often than not, like little kid, um, kind of tying into what we we have done, little kid like mm-hmm. entertainment that turns into horror. Yeah. Um, specifically, Five Nights at Freddy's, um, Garden of Ban Ban comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other ones I can't remember right now. Um, and like Choo Choo Charles is another like mascot horror thing. Like these, these keep happening. These keep popping up. I wonder if it's just because of the success of Five Nights at Freddy's and that kind of mm-hmm. genre, that kind of style, innocent turned scary thing, or if it's, or if people actually really like this and are like, yes, we want more. We want more. Or like I said, just people trying to chase Five Nights at Freddy's. It- um, again, not like I'm innocent of any of this stuff. <laughs> like pe- people love chips tips and they're like, Hey, when's chips tips too? And I'm like, I don't know. Are you going to make it? <laughs> I don't want to right now. I would have someone paid me to do it. I'll pay. I'll pay you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So our, you've already talked a little bit about how the themes that you mentioned, some of the trends that you're seeing are reflected in some of the work that you are, um, that you're currently working on. Um, when we come back to the idea of like, horror being really flexible. Uh, I wonder if we can just zoom out for a second and and just ask you both, and all three of you really, how has that idea of like horror being flexible played into some of the projects that you've worked on or are currently working on? So like, where are you pushing the boundaries? What are the questions that you're exploring? Yeah, I just want to hear you talk a little bit about that. Let's start with Torp. Yeah, um, <laughs> my answer to this is funny. Um, I don't like horror. Um <laughs> I, I I don't watch horror movies and I don't I don't play what I consider horror games. This is coming back to the definition. Um whenever I think of a horror game, I think of something that's really trying to, to spook you with jump scares or or like extremely grotesque imagery or something. I think of like Outlast Nun Massacre or something with with super jump scares, stuff that's like, you know, the the real super horror stuff. But then I I play lots of like Resident Evil and and things like that, like what I get out of it is like a dark atmosphere, but also fun gameplay. Mm-hmm. If my gameplay is like I'm crawling through like the sewer and there's like a 
like a, a redneck with a chainsaw chasing me it's like all right whatever but if i'm crawling through a sewer and i'm like having to conserve ammo and like play inventory tetris i'm like yeah that's <laughs> what's the difference but like i said i'm not a huge horror head whenever i've been in you know hanging out with dread xp people and stuff before they're all talking about their favorite horror movies and it's like oh yeah i love this part and this and this is my favorite and this and that and i'm like i don't know what y'all are talking about <laughs> i've never heard of any of these movies before so the the question was the like the the unique angle on the horror stuff that's mine is i don't know what all the like the tropes and and the whatever are because i just haven't watched saw one two three four five um i know a whole lot more about children's edutainment than about horror like movies hmm. so like we talk about chips tips or amanda i'm like oh yeah that's you know i recognize dora the explorer and veggie tales and blues clues and whatever else and it's like oh yeah they did this in this horror movie it's like okay i'll take your word for it um it's it, i'm just really weird and that's the stuff that i i prefer to to watch instead so I guess that's my unique my take is like I I'm I'm much more big into like the children's nostalgia, like the the stuff like the innocent turning like creepy stuff mm-hmm. is is what I like. I'm the person who's like yes, yeah, make more of this. Um, so I guess the the more people who do that in unique ways is is stuff that I pay attention to, um, because honestly, it's starting to get a little bit played out with 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 some of the mm-hmm. games. I don't want to sound negative or anything. I've just seen a lot of like itch.io um indie games that are trying to do this and a lot of people are doing kind of similar things and so that's just what i'm seeing is it's it's definitely a trend um i'm just looking for more ways people are doing it in different unique ways which i guess if i could toot my own horn i think chips tips maybe is a little more unique amanda certainly is um the first time i saw amanda i was like yo what this is sick (laughs) The, the game is made just for me i love this and so I'm excited to see more more Amanda in the future too. I'd be more excited to see Chips Tips in the future if I like was in a position to make it right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's a, I guess it's a good segue into me. Um, thank you, Torpal, by the way. Um, yeah, I guess I guess in the opposite vein, I'm I'm a bit of a horror head, but I guess you know, like Torpal said, like I I don't know, I thought I was, and then I started, you know, I got involved with Dread, and I found I'm like, oh, actually, I'm not, because they'll talk about like movies I've never heard of, but um, for me, like I I enjoy getting like scared, like I love the feeling of like my like art racing, right? Like I'm one of those people that will actively like let my guard down during a horror movie or a horror ride, because like I want to just, I don't know, I just want to feel fear <laughs> in a safe environment i guess that sounds kind of weird no it makes sense um but yeah in terms of flexibility um i think for me that what really stands out not just projects that i do but something that like stands out to me in games is like when they like bake it into like gameplay um like it's like it's kind of easy to you know present you with like grotesque imagery or like a jump scare and be like oh and it's like oh it's scary for a bit but it doesn't really linger that long like mm. it's it's kind of like you know, like if I just jumped down and said "boo," like you'd be scared for like a second, and then you'd move on with your day. Yeah, I, I think it's way more interesting to kind of find something that puts the player in kind of an uncomfortable position and forces them to make a decision. Um, one thing that I really love about uh, Resident Evil Seven that is, I think, is like really underappreciated is that when you walk into the Baker House, that's you're the player, you're making that decision, like you're walking in. And I think that contextualizes the rest of the game because in the back of your mind, you're constantly thinking, 
I walked into this and this is the consequences of doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though it's like, where else are you supposed to go? Right. You're, you can't go back to your car. Like the game has to move forward by you going into the house. But I, I think it's, it's kind of, I don't know if it was intentional. I don't think it was, but it's kind of brilliant that they let the player walk in. And I think like little decisions like that, that kind of force players to like kind of live those moments in like horror media where it's just like, what would you do if you were in this house and there was a guy off a chainsaw, right? Um, it's kind of easy to kind of context, like aesthetically present that because just like, okay, give a bat, like give one of your enemies a chainsaw and make him harder to kill. Right. It's another to put them in a, like a position where it's just like, okay, you're in this house. There's one door out of it. And there's this thing chasing you with a one hit kill chainsaw. And you have, you don't know if there's a weapon around to protect yourself. How do you get out? I think for me, that's kind of where horror is like, it's most flexible and it's more en engaging when it's like, it's kind of putting you in that decision-making uh, spot. Um, you know, we do that a lot with Amanda too, where it's just like we make the player like pause at uncomfortable moments or like say uncomfortable things. Like even though you kind of know the answer, you don't want to because you're afraid of what might happen. Um, and I think when you're when you're engaging your players on that level, it starts immersing them into sort of this atmosphere that you're trying to craft. Um, where I just don't think like a jump scare like really would do that that well. Yeah, that's sort of my take on on that. <laughs> yeah, like adrenaline. There's like a moment of adrenaline versus something that you have to think about and turn over in your head over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got to agree with that a lot because there's that, I think a really good example of that is in uh, Half-Life Alex during the Jeff chapter. Uh, there's like this monster, right, that you lock in a, uh, like a freezer at one point. You're like, okay, thank God I'm safe. And then you have to complete some more puzzles to get out. You can hear him like banging around in there or something like that. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh, I can't solve this puzzle right now. Uh, I need to like follow this line to turn on a power switch somewhere. Where does it go? Oh, it's in the freezer that I locked the monster in. Mm -hmm. And right at that moment when I was there, I was just like, they got me, you know, like it's just like <laughs> this couldn't exist in like a different medium. It's not like a horror movie where you're like, don't go in there. You know what's in there or whatever. It's like, oh, I have to. This isn't going to move forward unless I'm here. So I, I really agree with what you were saying earlier, like walking into the house. It's like, you know what the danger is. And that makes it scarier because you just saw what you did. And now it's it's more of an active decision. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you brought that up because it kind of reminds me of um, the Killer Croc fight from Arkham Asylum. To me, it's amazing that there is two bosses in that game that could be like considered horror and the one that's very much so not horror coded is like way scarier than the one that is um, not to say scarecrow isn't like you know has his moments but like i find killer the killer croc battle where it's like you 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 lock yourself into like the sewers underneath like got like the arkham asylum and you have to like place these charges all while you're on these like really like rickety like planks of wood while killer croc is like underneath you under the water and if you make too much noise he'll pop out and immediately kill you so that is just like, it's just putting a player in a situation where it's just like, you know what you have to do. There's no real like question on what you have to do, but it's just like that position of just like, okay, if I mess up, these are the consequences. And I think laying that out for a player is what gets something that's a lot more like deeper than something a surface level is just like a, you know, a scary pair of jingling keys, you know? I will say there's also something to the opposite effect of rather than the anxiety or you also get the stress horror of like a big monster mm -hmm. literally chasing you around like a, the nemesis oh, monster and like resident yeah. or something, you know, where 
you're like, you know, you're just doing your thing. And then you just hear, you know, footsteps approach. And you're just like, I got to get out of here. Whatever I was doing before does not matter anymore. You know, I have an interesting relationship with Nemesis because he, he's, he was probably like my first introduction to like actual horror as a kid. So my friend had a, I, I, I didn't have a PlayStation. So every, every time I wanted to play PlayStation, I'd go over to my friends and she had like Resident Evil three. And I was like, oh, this is kind of neat. It's kind of spooky. And then Nemesis showed up and I, I still have like the sequence where he like kills that guy and says stars like burned into my brain, like just perma burned in there. I think, I think you're right where it's just like the anxiety of like seeing something like powerful and it's chasing you and you're kind of powerless to do anything about it. It's just, it just activates some part of your brain and it's just, yeah. I don't know. When you were talking about that, it just like sent me back like, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> I'm back to being like a scared seven year old in my bed pretending to sleep when I'm just like watching my door because I don't know when I'm going to hear stars. <laughs> and I, I think that the uh, uniqueness of video games uh, adds to that because it's like, well, I have to do this. I have to get out of here. Mm. This isn't like a. Oh, is he going to is that character going to make it out of that situation? It's like I am in the situation. Mm -hmm. Max, it's the middle of the show. Yeah, it's been a fun one. Yeah, it has. Um, so in the middle of the show, we're going to take a break to say people should donate to us on Patreon. And why should they donate to us on Patreon? Well, Max, you're the right person to ask that question because you are exactly the reason why people should donate to us on Patreon. Are you telling me that if people donate to us on Patreon, it allows me to continue booking for this show to get us interesting guests and people? You nailed it. I couldn't have said it better myself, and I haven't in the four takes we've done of this. <laughs> <laughs> Where can they find us on Patreon? They can go to patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And what cool features do they get if they go to patreon.com slash nicegamesclub? If they go to patreon.com slash nicegamesclub, they can donate any dollar of amount of month and then they can first know that they are supporting your great work, Max, in booking guests for the show, including panelists, which is a whole lot of work. But then also they can get access to ad-free episodes, which don't contain any of the other things that you might be hearing in the middle of the show. That sounds like a really good value. <laughs> Thanks, Max. I agree. <laughs> Okay, I want to move on to a slightly different topic. Um, so one of the things that came up on last week's panel was this idea of like using humor in horror games and how like they're very often seen together. They're almost kind of like two sides of the same kind of coin. Um, I'm curious what you guys think of that. Like, is it something that you've explored in your games? Does it stand out when you notice it in a horror, you know, a game that you, you're playing? Is it something you want to see explored more? Tell me about making people laugh right after you made them scared. Yeah. Um, you, you hit it like there's a very fine line between horror and, and humor. Funny enough. Um, I mean, look at all the stupid movies, like, like the leprechaun movies <laughs> and just like, it's a crackhead who got in the wrong stuff. It's like, it, it works. It's great. I don't know why they're, they're so similar, but I don't know. It's just, it works. Um, when it comes to my games, I feel like it's less about using humor in horror. It's more like using horror in humor. <laughs> um, if you played my games, you know what I'm talking about. Like 
when, whenever I've heard this from people, they they see Hand of Doom on like the Steam store or something. They're like, oh yeah, this like you know really you know dark fantasy spooky game, and they play it, and it's just like stupid jokes from beginning to end. <laughs> they're like, no, this is a comedy game <laughs> with like with like a horror fantasy like veneer. And it's like, sorry, that's all I can do. Like me making something, I've tried to make stuff serious and it comes out completely goofy on the end. <laughs> that, that's just me. That's how I am. Uh, Indretix Collection 4 or The Hunt, it's same thing. Um, Ted, who was the, uh, the, the, the boss man at the time, was like, hey, we want you to make another game. Make it serious this time. Make it spooky. Don't make it funny. And I was like, okay, geez. Um, and I, I had a lot of trouble with that game, but I did the best I could to make it not not goofy. And then it was like just completely goofy anyway, <laughs> like unintentionally at the end. And I'm like, sorry, that's that's all I got. Um, I had I had well, I say I had the most fun making chips tips. I had a lot of tribulations in real life that made it hard to do that. Um, but I, I chips tips is, is special, and I think a lot of people really like chips tips too, because it was just like mask off i'm gonna be as stupid and and dumb as possible and you're gonna watch and you're gonna like it and it was it was like the least horror you could imagine it was like look at this cute dog you can pet the dog and then you have like a halloween party with like funny costumes and it's like this isn't scary what is it why is this here but that's the whole thing with horror right it was like blues clues we're gonna throw a halloween party with our cute dog and at the end you like go through the catacombs and descend into like hell with like hanging skeletons and like screaming and wailing but it's like it's like the blues clues versions of screaming and wailing where it's like all right like but it's still funny um somehow uh you go through the spaghetti dimension to get there like i said whenever i do games it's like okay it has to be horror but it's but it's funny and i'm like no it's supposed to be horror stop <laughs> put the horror in there stop making them laugh i think my stuff is best whenever I, I just lean into it and make it like it's 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 scary right like you're supposed to be scared now <laughs> i don't I, I think that's when people like my stuff the best is when it's just like i i don't care i'm just gonna make what i like you're gonna put up with it <laughs> whether you like it or not i don't care the game's for me. <laughs> That's my answer. That's when the best stuff gets made anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen, I've, I've read some Steam reviews on my game, and I just laugh at them. Some of them are like, all the jokes, none of the jokes land. It's not funny. It's cringe. Reddit humor. Mm-hmm. This game sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you playing it? Obviously, it's not for you. Like The other 99% of the reviews are like, it's cool. I love it. It's funny. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're the one who's cringe, not me. <laughs> I always find, I always find that comment weird. It's just like like exactly what you said. It's like what, why? Okay, if it's cringe, then why did you play it? Like, you, you, there's no way you yeah. walked into that being like, I wonder what this is gonna like. You know, it's, it's this says more about you than me, buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, kind of to jump off uh, Torp's response there. You know, both you know Amanda and Chips Tips are very much so like horror games that have quite a lot of humor in it you know when, when we were showcasing amanda at pax uh a lot of people are like you know like saying like it's it's impressive how much you, you're able to kind of like juggle both like horror and humor hmm. and if i'm being honest like sometimes like there'll be i'll get like comments on like videos where it's just like oh this is they're so funny for putting this in and in my head i'm like i was trying to i was trying to <laughs> <laughs> that was me being serious I was, 
What do you mean? Trying to scare you. Um, (laughs) But um, I do honestly think that humor does have a place in horror. Um, One of my uh, one of my favorite directors right now is uh, Jordan Peele. Um, I love his films. Um, I just watched Nope. I won't spoil it, but that is very much so specifically a movie designed to scare me and me alone. It has two things (laughs) I am terrified of personally, Um, but it's also just a really funny film when it wants to be. Um, it's, and I think, uh, I think Torp said it right. Like it's, it's, you kind of tread a kind of thin line between funny and scary, but I think if you can kind of take advantage of that, you can, you know, set expectations up in a way where it's like, maybe you're expecting a joke and it's actually a scare or, you know, maybe it's like my favorite thing is to set up a scare and the punch and it's instead of like a a scare, you get a punchline. Right. Um, I think it's just in terms of like pacing, like understanding, like when's the right time to kind of, you know put the serious pants on and once the you know the clown pants goes on um i think there's some horror games that kind of like do that well um and um i i do think it's something that i i'd like to see more games kind of like explore because i find like you know we were talking earlier about like itch games like just that just seem to be like like scary and like you know they have like a scary aesthetic but like i think i think if anything like i always think of like baldy's basics where it's like that's intentionally like a parody of those kind of games, but it's also kind of freaky in its own right, just because of like how janky and outdated the the graphics look. And like, like it, it, it's silly to watch him walk down the hallway slapping the ruler, but there's also but when he's coming after you. Yeah, there's also that bit yeah. where he's coming after you and he's getting faster and he's getting closer and you better not let him catch you. So it's it, it's kind of it is kind of a weird balancing act to do, but I think a lot of games would benefit, or a lot of horror media in general uh, could benefit from just you know being silly sometimes. Um, and like you know, there's a lot of horror media out there that is both silly and scary. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite films is Shaun of the Dead. It's but it's a good zombie film and it's also a really good comedy film. So what you said made me think of something. I I really like stuff that both mercilessly makes fun of something and then does it itself at the yeah. same time like intentionally <laughs> like i really like um the show metalocalypse and, oh, and death clock yeah. the band <laughs> because they're they're so silly and like they're parodying death metal by being like extra super brutal but then they're also just doing that like it's a joke but it's also like good music at the same time like mm-hmm. they say look we get it but here's my version too you know throw that out there too yeah um, and I and I really appreciate that. I never considered Baldi's basics doing that, but you're totally right. That's that's what that is. Yeah. Um, also, also, uh, I was reminded of something you said earlier, James, where you said you you like you allow your guard to go down because you want to be scared by this mm. stuff. And I feel like introducing humor with with the viewer's guard already down, they're they're vulnerable. And then, like you said, oh. you, you sideswipe them with humor, yeah. and then it's twice as effective because they like. <laughs> we're really not expecting it like they're already emotionally vulnerable in this stage and and speaking of emotionally with the horror you and with anything you can't be going just hard all the time you need mm-hmm. breaks in oh, between yeah. to make the horror matter yep and I, and I feel like having levity is is the easiest way to give the audience a break of of the big spooky you're like you know who you know take take a breather before you get to the next big one and and having the characters be like, well, that just happened, mm-hmm. you know, just fully resets what you were doing back to to not being scared at all, so you can build up the tension again moving forward. Um, so I think that's like a, maybe a subconscious tool mm-hmm. 
that a lot of people use is to just get you back to the to the not scared to make you scared again because mm-hmm. you're already scared. Where do you have left to go? Yeah, when when the peak when you're always at peak, then like it's hard to keep topping it. But if you're like constantly like roller coastering like like emotionally through something, then you have a lot more control and like the pacing. And I think horror in general is something that really benefits from good pacing. Mm-hmm. And and the reverse is probably also true where you can't have the funny all mm-hmm. the time. You have to dial back the funny and then and then bring it back so that it's still funny. Because if you're just being bombarded with stupid jokes like I did in my game, uh, people call it cringe Reddit humor and it doesn't work. So maybe maybe there's a balance there. Seems like a lot of people like it though. <laughs> Card the series. Oh, maybe. I would say um another thing to add to that is that um just in general that horror or fear and, and comedy are kind of very similar emotions in that they both derive from the fear or just unexpected or unknown. Comedy is a positive reaction to that and a, you know fear is a negative one, but I think that comedy sometimes can also add to a feeling of uneasiness in a horror setting hmm. where something horrific just happened and then somebody tells a joke and you're not sure how you feel about that. Like it's kind of like if you've ever had like encountered or, or you know it strange person on the street that's like saying something weird at you and you're just like uh <laughs> you know and and that uneasy i think is a very good uh, feeling to have in a horror game where it's not always the direct fear that i'm looking for sometimes it's just that like unsettling where i just don't know what to think for a while that i think can add to like a really memorable experience I lo- yeah it's it's the uh, the cognitive dissonance yeah. Yeah. Um, where it's, it's something that doesn't belong there. It's like this, you shouldn't be telling a joke now. What's, what's going on here? That's not right. And um, I agree. That's, that's a big contributor. There's a, there's a scene in chapter, uh, it chapter one where there's just like this geyser of blood that shoots out of a sink and covers blood and everything. And it's horrific and disturbing. And the following scene is a montage of teens cleaning it to peppy pop music. And I, I, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. It's, it's just such, like, such, like, dissonance from, like, what just happened. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh. I don't know if I'm supposed to, like, let my guard down. Like, it's just so bizarre because it's, like, that movie, that movie series in general is just, like, really good at just, like, triggering cognitive dissonance because it's just, like, I don't know when this is trying to be funny, like, genuinely funny, or if it's just, like, made a joke at the wrong time but like it you're absolutely right it's just like sometimes just throwing a joke when it's just like not you're not expecting it is almost scarier than just being like full like horror all the time it's a movie about a scary clown like it's yeah. built in from the beginning <laughs> yeah yeah like the the funny and spooky like it doesn't work and then it just it's just wrong and then it makes it even worse I think I haven't watched those movies. Like I said, I don't, I don't watch the scary stuff. It's too scary. Um, there, I've seen the clip of him like doing the big goofy dance, like in hell. Yeah. And then it's like, it's like focused on his face. And um, it's just like, why is he doing this goofy dance? Why does he look so scary? It's, it's just, it's this whole mm. thing. It's these two things that don't go together, making it even, even spookier with the combination. I, I remember being in a theater when I watched that and like half the audience was like, laughing but not like a like a belly laugh is like (laughs) 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 like (laughs) i've never heard a collective awkward laugh in an audience but like that that movie triggered it it was it was impressive so yeah it's 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 a neat thing to think about with like horrors like should i just throw a joke in there because it might might throw people off yeah but sometimes you're throwing them off in a good way like what max was saying yeah yeah that's yeah 
lots to play with in there, which is why it's such a rich genre for experimentation, I guess, or a theme. <laughs> I'm uh, haunted by this. Uh, the Pennywise is like ruined clowns for me forever, <laughs> and I'll always be terrified of clowns now because of Pennywise. I have seen all the versions of it. I cannot bring myself to watch, like, to read the book. But when you guys are talking about Pennywise the clown and like being silly and also terrifying, and just the thing that flashed into my mind, it's clear as day because this is how effective this is. Is just him like looking at the camera, waving with the dead arm. Oh, just yeah. like. Ah. Anyway, I like that you said that that ruined <laughs> clowns for you, as if clowns were like really cool before that. <laughs> I used to love clowns, and they ruined it for me. Took clowns away from from us. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was just a brief time in like the early 1900s where clowns weren't scary. And mm -hmm. subsequently, I don't think I've ever heard people go like, yeah, no, I actually just genuinely like clowns. I have to believe that because I, I don't know what product it was, but there's like this old, like early 1900s, like era, like commercial for, I think, cereal. And it stars like a clown. And like, you get the impression that it's like, oh, this is supposed to be jovial and fun. But like, it's just so many <laughs> awkward pauses. And he looks at the camera. And it's just like, I think it was cereal. And he's just like, the trick taste that you can eat. And I'm like, I don't want to eat cereal. Was it like McDonald's before like the regular Ronald McDonald maybe? I think it was McDonald's. It was just him. It was just him in this like black and white like environment with like, like I, I'm assuming is color, col colorful decorations, but like, it's just so unnerving. And like, I just like have to think like, did people actually like dig this? Like did, did people actually were like, yeah, that's fun. I want more clowns. This makes me want more clowns. <laughs> <laughs> I want what that oh. clown is having. <laughs> I wonder if that started when you were talking earlier about um, a lot of horror trends are based off of nostalgia. I wonder if that ever originally started from a nostalgia thing. That's interesting. Like if that was like nostalgic for some people and then that was kind of like scary clowns was kind of like an early, I guess, mascot horror almost. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I, I was just going to say that um, whenever I met my uh, my sister-in-law or when my brother was dating her or something, I met her. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, like she's a she's a clown. And I was like, what do you mean she's a clown? <laughs> like, was she born that way? <laughs> like, did she did she choose to be a clown? Like, I don't I don't know about this. <laughs> I, I've never seen her be a clown, so I she's okay with me so far. That's such an interesting way to introduce somebody. Like, oh, she's a clown. I'm like, oh, that's not very nice. <laughs> I, I was like, did she go to clown college? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, she did. Like, <laughs> all right, that's a thing. It is a real thing. <laughs> Apparently, they have the lowest acceptance rate. They're like the hardest college, apparently. Really? Yeah. They have a lot of prejudices to overcome. Yeah. Against clown culture. Also, a lot of them are hiding in the woods, apparently. <laughs> well, that was a few. Yeah. Years ago. I think they're, I think they're done with that. You've ruined woods for me now. Because <laughs> I love going out into the woods at night. The already. clowns took that from me, too. I can't believe it. <laughs> Nothing is sacred. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about trends in horror games or games with horror themes and mechanics. And we've also talked about how sometimes you put a horror game out there on Steam and even though someone played it, they still put out a review that's like, I don't like it. 
how do you communicate about your game like effectively? Like, how do you get it out there and try to get it to the right people who do want to engage in horror game with weird Reddit humor or whatever you have putting out there? What's what's the what are the things you think about and the steps that you take? It's not supposed to have Reddit humor. That's what one guy <laughs> said. Please, <laughs> no one's going to play my game now. They're returning it. <laughs> Whenever I find out the answer to that question, I'll let you know. Um, I I have no clue. Uh, I don't interact with anyone in the horror community. I don't interact with people in general. Um, I want to like stay in my little corner and like, you know, close the doors and like, don't, don't interact with me. Do not perceive me, please. <laughs> um, I was going to say people who follow me on Twitter would know that, but they wouldn't cause I never post on there. <laughs> um, and the, the way, the way that, that my game is getting out to people is I have a publisher that does that for me because I don't know how. And that's one of the cool things about a publisher mm-hmm. is they do. And they, they have people whose entire job it is to do marketing and stuff. And I'm like, here, please, please sell this for me. I don't know what I'm doing. I literally just know how to make the game and anything beyond that is, is outside of my knowledge. Um, which hasn't been a, too big of a problem so far, but, uh, who knows? Um, yeah, I don't have a good answer. I don't like talking to people, interacting with anyone in the first place. I go outside. I'm like, Ugh, there's people here. <laughs> Too many clowns out here. I was going to say. <laughs> to, to me, everyone. You can't, a clown. you can't just call everybody you don't like a clown. <laughs> it's true. <Just> did. <laughs> That's, I mean, that totally makes sense, though, right? Like, not everyone has to be a good marketer. That's why people specialize in it. That's why we have publishers. Mm-hmm. So it seems like that's a perfectly valid tactic what you're doing is you're outsourcing that part of it you know the publisher mm-hmm. can get a following the publisher can build up a community yeah, james has actually like been to pax for his game though so he he actually knows what it's part of the job i mean we put on the spot here um i i i'm all, i'm pretty i don't know if i'm the best to answer this because like the reason why our game got out to the public is because it just went viral like it just happened to hit the right audience at the right time and people just picked it up and ran with it mm-hmm. um but um i do try to like communicate with my audience whenever i can um i also don't really use twitter a whole lot or x or whatever because it, not not because i don't want to it's more just like i don't know what to say um i've never had this like audience before and i feel like there's a lot of pressure and i get kind of in my own head and i'm like oh what if i say something and like <laughs> i always want to make sure like i'm like transparent with my audience uh but also not too transparent because like i know our our audience like they like figuring things out they don't like i like throwing like little like breadcrumbs i'm like oh we might be doing something i don't know what does that <laughs> what does that look like to you i don't know i, I don't even realize it what what's behind me there's something behind me i don't think so um <laughs> and people love it um people love it like it's it's crazy. It's, it's like, I find like the best way to talk to our audience is like to not directly tell them things and then they love it. Hmm. Specifically when we were transitioning from, cause we, Amanda the Adventure was a game jam entry and then it was like a full release title on Steam. Uh, but in the transition from that, from it, from those two games, uh, we teased new content and new stuff um, with like updates. Uh, but we wouldn't really like go out our way and say like, oh, Amanda the Adventure got updated, go check it out. Uh, we wanted to kind of do something that was a little bit more like immersive. So we, we, I would just like, we added Amanda, we still do. We have an Amanda, the adventure, uh, Twitter account, uh, that's ran by dread, uh, because again, publishers are really good at that stuff, but we used to, uh, just throw like cryptic images, uh, just like, it's like something's happening. You might want to check it out. Um, fun fact, all those images were taken from, uh, my girlfriend's 
parents' place in uh, rural Ontario, it's like literally their backyard. Um, even the secret, like the, 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 the video in the secret tape itself was shot from her parents' backyard. I don't know. I always like sharing that. Cause it's just like, we, you know, back then we were kind of just using what we got, but now we have like a lot more resources, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess in, in terms of like talking to audiences, like I always like, I always love hearing what they have to say. Um, because our game is really prone to having theories and I, I kind of like hearing where people take what we've put into the game because it's it's definitely vague hmm. like we we know we know we're not giving you the full picture but we kind of want to do that because you know that's kind of the nature of the game like the game's about a mystery and it's not really a mystery if we kind of like lay everything out for you mm -hmm. so see people kind of like take it and spin it and then i have like, i have people like at pax like asking questions like is is wooly this or wooly that and my favorite answer is like could be could be i don't know <laughs> just say yes to everything yeah or yeah or yes it's all it's, it's all, all canon the George Lucas approach, but it, but it does sometimes. Honestly, sometimes being vague doesn't. Um, we tried to do an ARG uh, with Amanda the Adventure, um, and I participate. I, I tried to do my best to kind of kickstart that when I went to PAX because I was walking around with with a, a picture of a QR code that said like "What happened to Holly?" Uh, because the main character of that ARG was Holly, um, and I my, I was just kind of playing a character. I'm like, I don't really know what this paper is. Like, they, I, I was just kind of giving it to somebody at the front. <laughs> Um, they said like the people have to know and I just, I don't know, I, I've just been walking around with it. I'm just trying to ham it up like I didn't know what this was. And that kind of backfired, I think, because people were like, oh, then I probably shouldn't scan this because this is a random QR code. <laughs> this could be anything. This could be a Rickroll. This could be a virus. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a little bit of a balancing act when it terms talks like in terms of like how we engage our audience is like, like, when does it become too vague? When does it become too nebulous? And like, Finally, that kind of sweet spot is is great because then you have people asking questions and that's exactly what you want. But, you know, when you're a little bit too vague, people don't even realize you're doing something. So which can be a little, little uh, <laughs> it can be funny. Yeah, I would say that uh, a lot of the times you have to be really vague, but then like throwing a wink at the end almost. My uh, friends worked on uh, Bonnie's Bakery and, and whenever they talk about this game, even to this day after it had like a you know, bunch of hype online, they were just like, yeah, no, it's a, it's a normal like baking simulator, right? There's nothing, don't, it, there's nothing wrong with it. Like there's, it's normal. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, just being too reassuring about it. And it's, it's a, it's a baking simulator, but the plot twist of course, is that you're baking the townsfolk. <laughs> I, I, I saw that and I was like, I love the idea of this game. Yeah. Like it's, it's such a cool idea. Yeah, all, all that stuff makes sense for for those games. I feel like for mine, I'm like I'm I'm way too stupid to do an ARG. Like anything like mysterious, like I can't comprehend this. So how am I going to make it interesting for you? <laughs> like in in my games, doing all the collections and then the Hands of Doom, I've learned I can't be I can't like do anything that I think is like mysterious or like oh you figure it out because no one's going to figure it out because i'm not good at it <laughs> so i i'm just like i'm going to beat you over the head with the instructions and you're going to do this in this order or else they're like not going to understand what's going on i'm like i'm i'm tired of people missing stuff i'm tired of you not reading the dialogue that i spent a long time <laughs> writing you're going to have this experience one time my wife played tested hand the doom and she like got tired of how long the dialogue was taking and started skipping it. And I'm like, I spent so long recording. <laughs> no. Oh, no. I tried, Sorry, like I tried sometimes. really hard doing my, my family guy, Joe Swanson voice. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking back to times I've interacted with the community, which I really don't think I have very much. Usually I just like retweet like wizard memes on Twitter. Like that's my interaction. It's like, it has nothing to do with my game. Um, and it was funny. You James, you saying that like, you you're scared like you you care too much 
about tweeting about your game. I feel like I'm the opposite where I don't care enough. I'll like type out half a thing and be like, never mind. I don't delete this. Just just post a wizard meme about it. Pretty much. <laughs> Someone will like tag me in something on Discord. I'm like, eh. And then I just go paste post it on Twitter. Like, this is Hand of Doom related, right? Go buy my game. <laughs> I feel like the the most like successful things I've done on on Twitter with my game has been like, Hand of Doom is out now. Go buy it right now, you stupid idiot, or else I'll <laughs> curse you for generations, loser. <laughs> and people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I would love that, yay. Just verbally abusing my followers. I, uh, I'm definitely the kind of person that will, like, retweet something, realize I didn't say anything, and I'm like, that kind of seems hollow. And then I, like, retweet something that's, like, I'll just, like, think of the spot, like, yeah, yeah, what is this? I, I don't know, they put it in my front door. Uh, yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> um but yeah, I do. I do kind of like that approach, uh, Torp, where you just kind of like take something from the community and like post it like on your personal like Twitter because like it kind of, it kind of builds like a kinship where it's just like you know mm-hmm. maybe that person sees that and they're like oh he really liked it right. Um, I try to do that for mm-hmm. a bit with like specifically like fan art. I'd like go out of my way to like type in like Amanda fan art like and retweet any ones that I found because we have we have some like really talented art artists out there making great stuff, um, and I just kind of like. As as it kind of got got on, like I just like couldn't keep up, and like it, it almost felt like weird to single specific people out. And I'm like, I want to showcase all of you, but I've like I got 24 hours in a day, so and I got to dedicate at least some of that to sleeping. So <laughs> I do I do really I, I think that's really really cool of you to like take something somebody sends you or at you and then like post it because like it kind of it builds a relationship, right? Like I'm sure like every time you do that, like it makes that guy's day, where it's just like, oh, I, yeah. I'm seen. <laughs> It's probably different for you because people actually make fan art of your game. I've had one piece of fan art for my game uh, ever. <laughs> I don't know. I went through a bunch of like mental health issues making Hand of Doom, and I'm just like, hey, I'm moving on a little bit for some of this stuff. <laughs> like, if I don't have to go back there, that's cool. If you like my game, great. Like, thanks. Um, that makes me sound like a jerk. It's not quite all the way like that. Um, I would love if you're listening to this. Please make fan art of my game. That would be really cool. Thank you. Um, please make Hand of Doom fan art. I would also like to see Hand of Doom fan art. <laughs> um, whenever I think of community, there's been a, everyone who's almost everyone who's played Hand of Doom has really liked it and has understood what I was going for, and it's mm-hmm. great. Thank you for that for posting on on Steam and stuff. There's there's like a couple of comments I always remember that are like really negative that just make me laugh. Like I'm, I'm weird and negative reviews and stuff don't make me feel bad. I just like laugh at the person who's saying bad things about my game. It's like <laughs> you think I care what you think. Yeah, right. Um, there was there was one that was okay, they were actually complaining about legitimate issues. They were like, "There's all these bugs in the game. It's game breaking bugs, whatever." On like day one, and then my, this is my favorite one. There's a comment under that says, "Oh, I heard the devs are working on a patch for this." And then I still think of it fondly because I'm like, <laughs> I'm the developers and the developers are not working on a patch for this. <laughs> this issue is not getting fixed. Good luck. Um, w- one day I would like to fix those issues, but it was like right after it came out and I'm like, that's not happening. I don't know where you heard that. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's been working out for me so far. Yeah, I, was like, I say no- that. I only have one piece of fan art. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I should try harder. I don't know. It depends on what your goals are. And I can barely wanna... get out of bed in the morning. I'm not yeah. trying hard at anything. <laughs> <laughs> and what you want to put your energy into, exactly. Yeah. End of the day, you guys are having fun doing the thing that you like doing, and that's ultimately where you, you got to start there. What you do after that, mm-hmm. your own thing. 
Yeah, I, I really, I was going to say, I don't care if anyone likes my games. I, what I mean is I make my games for me mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. enjoy. Like, this is something that I like, so I'm going to make it. Hopefully you like it too. Um, that's a little bit different whenever it's your job and you're getting paid to do it and they have to sell mm-hmm. the game. Like, if it was up to me and that didn't matter, I'd be making like pee-pee, poo-poo simulator, <laughs> whatever dumb garbage I can think of. But it's like, no one's going to pay money for that. I, would. I have to actually make it good. I would, I would definitely play it. There, there's so much dumb garbage out there that like makes people rich and famous. And I'm like, I, I could have done that. But the thing is, I didn't do that. 99% of success on anything online is is just being in the right place at the right time and just being lucky and the right person. Markiplier plays your game and then it, and it blows up. Um, and you can't do that on purpose. So maybe tomorrow Markiplier is going to play my game and I'm going to get rich and famous. Um, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not planning on that. That'd be cool. Right. You're just going to do the thing that you're good at doing, <laughs> get better at it and show up. And then if the lightning hits, the lightning hits. Markiplier actually did play one of my games and it didn't make me rich and famous. So maybe maybe that's not the best <laughs> line of thinking. I do, uh, I do like I do like uh, the point that you brought up a couple times, Torp, where it's just like you, you make games that like you like or kind of personal to you. Um, this is a story that I share a lot uh, whenever like it comes up about Amanda. It's just like it was I, I made like originally like, I worked on the original like game jam version of Amanda when I was kind of in like a dark place. Um, I was just off of a job that it was at for a while at another game studio. And uh, I, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. Like I, I was constantly asking myself, like, cause I couldn't like land another job. I was just like, okay, like, am I even supposed to be in this industry? Like, am I supposed to like, like I kept doubting myself. Um, so I see this jam and I'm just like, okay, this is like my Hail Mary. I'm going to make this game with a couple friends, see what happens. Three people will play it. And then I can like at least tell myself I like making games and I can keep doing that. Um, and then it just kind of took off from there. So it's it's kind of wild because like Amanda was sort of like my plan to kind of just keep making games. Like my plan was just to make a game jam game every month, and that was the first month that I started that. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree. Where it's just like I think making something personal like is better than just making something because like you can you can and it will make money like like you said like you know i could stop what i'm doing right now and go make like you know uh poo-poo. you said poo-poo. i could make pee pee poo simulator and who knows maybe markiplier will play it but like i don't want to do that i mean i kind of do but uh <laughs> i don't really want to do that you know i want to make something that like i would sit down and be like oh this is cool um and that's sort of been like our um, our studio motto is just like making bizarre, weird games that we want to see out there. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really literally being the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> Reese, Reese has a lot of cool ideas for like games, and I'm like, I would never think about that, but that's that's really cool. Um, Patrick too, he was he was a uh, we had like a brainstorm session about like what games we you know you know like just on in on the backlog, and like I was like really impressed of like how out there they were. I'm like, I want to see all of these games <laughs> yeah i i have like a long like google doc of, of like dumb game ideas that i've had and all of them are just games i want to play mm-hmm. and it's like this game doesn't exist i'm gonna have to be the one that makes yeah. this now whether they actually get made or not is a different story but it's just like i there's different kinds of games that i like and i want to see weird mashups and different things happen no one else is doing it. i want to have to just do it myself now and that's where a lot of it comes yeah. from you want something done right you want um, you do it yourself you know that kind of yeah exactly high quality pp poo poo 
someone else is going to have to make the high quality version. Ray, tra- yeah. ray, ray tracing on the, the, the P streams. None of us care enough. <laughs> but no, as to what you're saying um, with like the game ideas list is like, there's always so many different game ideas you have that I stopped writing down those ones. I started, I keep a dream journal, but I don't write down all my dreams. I write down dreams that come to me that I think would make interesting video games. Oh, that's interesting. I want to see nice. Twitter feed of that. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> then you can actually people be like, "Oh, what what inspired you to make this game?" You say it was revealed it to me in a dream. dream. That would be so cryptic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have to do the hand wave too, or else yeah. you lose the effect. It was revealed to me in a dream. Exactly, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> also, here's a QR code. What do you think? <laughs> it's, it's on your palm. <laughs> I drew this in my sleep. <laughs> That's going to make more more people wary of your game, like more than they already were. Like, did this man actually put a Have QR code on his palm, or did he just tattoo a QR code to Rick Roll on it? <laughs> like, you, you're talking about imposter syndrome. I don't think that goes away. Mm-hmm. Like I've tried to get a job for years, and it it still hasn't worked this whole time. Um, people are like, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? It's like you don't. You 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 fake it to yourself yeah. until you make it or otherwise. <laughs> I'll never feel like I'm a good game developer, no matter how successful my games ever become. It, and that you're just gonna have to deal with that. It is kind of like just embracing it, you know, just like yeah, I'm kind of you know seeing how far I can go, and like you know, I brought this up to other people like on on the team. It's just like you know, they're just like you know, you wouldn't have made it this far, but I'm also just like I don't know. But like, I think just like embracing it and just being like, you know, I'm just gonna keep going, see how far I can get. You know, like I think how far can I pretend that I'm good at this? Yeah, exactly. I think think I'm also just means you are. I think I'm also uniquely suited to that because, like, with each Dread X collection that came out, I was like a little bit nervous of like, oh, what if people see the 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 bugs that are in my games? Um, a little bit. Mostly, it was like I know these bugs are in here. Here you go. Um, and I was like, what are people going to do? Say my game is bad? I'll tell you my game is bad first. Like, <laughs> what are you going to tell me? I don't already know. Like, I don't care. Um, so it's like with imposter syndrome, it's like, I think I'm not a good game developer. I'll tell you I'm not a good game developer. Look at my games. <laughs> like, the proof's in the pudding. Um, I'm only half kidding. Um, the graphics are bad on purpose. Um, so I can say that they're all bad on purpose and it's not just me not being good at making graphics. So okay. as long as you, you say it's on purpose, you're good. That's to go. <laughs> part of the style. Yeah, that's intentional, obviously. <laughs> okay. So if our listeners want to look you up, see what you're doing, see your non-existent tweets or whatever they're called now, um, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Torpal Duke. Uh, if there is anything about my games, that's where I will post it. Um, Hand of Doom came out earlier this year, and I haven't posted a lot about it recently, um, but you can, you can go there to check it out. Um, I also have a Patreon if you want to subscribe to that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, mostly Twitter is where I do all my game stuff. Um, uh, I'm at J Pratt underscore design uh but if you want to follow specifically a man of the adventure because that's all you really care to see uh it's uh at amanda adventurer uh that's an adventurer is spelled a d v n t u r e r 
We will link to those in the show notes. Max, you got to plug yourself too. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm MaxJK0 on Twitter. Um, that's zero the number. But then if you follow me on Blue Sky, if that's still a thing, I think I spelled out the word zero. Cool beans. That's the fun part of having a really stupid fake username is it is never taken anywhere. <laughs> so if you ever see Torvalduke, that's that's the real deal. No one would ever use that name for themselves. That's ridiculous. That's our show. For show notes, socials, and additional links from today's conversation, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on social media at Nice Games Club, where Dale posts about game dev resources and pixel art game fonts. Reply on the various platforms or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub, and if you want to keep things more casual, stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be talking about... You guys gave me a whole mouthful to say here. We'll be talking about polymorphism and save scumming. But that's it for this week. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.